This is a CNA podcast. Doors are closing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Work It. My name is Adrian. And it's Crispina here. So, you know how there's a day for everything these days? International Women's Day, Earth Day, Grandparents' Day. I recently found out there's a World Social Work Day, and it falls on March 21st. When I think of social workers, I'm reminded of all the unsung heroes of mm-hmm. our society. They don't wear capes, they don't have their own action movies, but they make <laughs> a real difference in people's lives every day, which is so humbling and refreshing, right? Because nowadays, everyone does everything just for Instagram and nothing else. Absolutely. Everything for the gram, right? When I was a reporter, I covered what was called the social beat. So I came into contact with many social workers, some of whom I really admired. They were tenacious, they fought hard for their clients, they were very protective of them. And recently, DPM Lawrence Wong also talked about how as a society, we should pay more attention to those who do hard work as opposed to those who do hate work. Yep. Which is why from April 1st, the salaries of workers in the social service sector will increase by between 4 to 15%. Yay! Yet industry folks say that there are still barriers to entry and mm-hmm. retention because career development is limited and there are significant stereotypes. So unlike our usual business-powered head professionals who are guests at this podcast, this week we are very happy to have a young woman who is knee-deep in hard work. Her name is Dini Zulaika and she's a social worker at Ishun Family Service Centre at Children's Society. Welcome Dini. Hi, hi everybody. So Dini, start us off by telling us a bit about yourself and importantly, why do you choose social work as your career? I'm Dini. I am a social worker at Yishun Family Service Centre at Children's Society, YFC for short. This is my second year actually at YFC and my main role is to provide counselling for low-income and vulnerable clients okay. and to conduct practice research and to manage safety and risk for our clients. Why I choose social work? I found my calling to become a social worker was when I first started out volunteering at KK Hospital and Down Syndrome Association. Mm. I felt that I really wanted to do more and give more to the beneficiaries and I felt that just being a volunteer was just not enough for me. I wanted to just do a lot more and that's why I decided to do my studies in social work. I want to see those who are invisible in our community. I want to hear the voices who were silenced. I'm curious about two things, okay? The first thing is, you said you volunteered at KK and at Down Syndrome yeah. Now, I used to teach before. Sweet. And when kids have free time, mm-hmm. they don't want to volunteer. They mm. want to work at Starbucks. So tell me, where did that come from? Because I always wanted to work in a hospital. Because my sister, my aunts, they all work in hospitals. And ah, I always no wonder. see that. So there's that link. <laughs> yeah. And I've always wanted to work with children. And mm. I've always wanted to work in hospital settings. That's why I just decided to go to KKH mm. Hospital. Because they have this volunteer program as an assistant play therapist for the children. Just to play with all the kids in the ward who are long-term stayers. I see. 
So the second thing I was curious about <laughs> yeah. was how did your like your family, your parents, your friends respond? Because mm. social work is not something that comes to an average young Singaporean's absolutely, mind. Absolutely. They would think banking. Especially in the Asian setting. It's always the right? same thing, right? Mm. Banking, lawyer, engineer. No, but something really... with more money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for my mom, she really wanted me to be a teacher. She thinks that being a teacher is such an ironclad rice bowl, you know what I mean? It's just not wrong. It's not wrong to think that way. I don't know. They seem to be really accepting of me being a social worker because they think that this is a noble job. Mm. I'm helping people. True. Being a Muslim family, they think that it will help you. You're helping people, so it will help your afterlife. Ah. (laughs) That kind of thing. The extra points in heaven. uh, Yeah. The karma points. So that's why they are very open to me being that's, a social worker. That's so lovely to hear. Mm. It's really nice when parents are supportive. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there are several reports that has also been written about how social workers may face a bit of stigma. Especially some people are also talking about how actually in the business of helping the hopeless to some extent. Do you personally face those kind of stereotypes? Are there examples? I wouldn't say that I face any stigma or Mm. people do look as social workers as someone who can help them. But I guess there are some misconceptions, I guess, some stereotypes that I do see, even in my clients as well. Like they think that social workers only help provide monetary support for people with financial issues. But it may be the case for social workers who are working in social service office like SSO. But for FSC, we assist clients with seeking employment. Mm. We manage safety and risk and we also refer them to relevant agencies that can cater to their needs better. You right. Know, For um, example, if they're suffering from, let's say, mental health, health issues. Yes, absolutely. Right. So a lot of the families may not even know where to go. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And so you're kind of the middle person. We are that person to direct them to the right resources, you see, mm. because mm. a lot of my clients really do not know what community resources they have currently within their community. Mm. So that's why we are there, FSC, to just direct them to where they can go. Mm. What are some of the common issues that you see that for you, you already know there are some solutions out there, but Mm. somehow for your beneficiary, they just don't seem to have any idea that it exists? It is very prevalent. Like a lot of my clients just stay in their house and then even though they have this issue whatever issue that they have mm. they just stay in their house and just live with it you know suffer through suffer it suffer through it yeah struggle sometimes people just don't have this help seeking behaviour either mm. what help is if they really mingle with the communities also our agency also have that responsibility to go and do outreach Mm. I think there are a lot of agencies as well who do come to all those rental flats and knock on doors and ask do you need Mm. help is there anything that we can help you so they are very prominent in those flats who has a lot of issues and they will be the one who direct them to FSCs Mm. or other agencies that will help them sometimes we used to do stories about this and I would go into a rental flat for example Example, yeah. and the poor lady, her entire cupboard is filled with Maggie noodles mm. and tins of sardines. Yes. 
And she doesn't want that. Yes. She just wants porridge. Because logistically, that's what makes sense for the middleman, yes. right? Just to collate all this yeah. canned meat, la, soya mm-hmm. sauce. And it's just the same thing over and over again. I don't know if that's still the case. I hear you. And I do see this as a problem too. Because all agencies really want to help all those people. Exactly. In as much as they can. Especially people who are elderly, mm. vulnerable. There is a need to cater different needs to different people, right. different individuals. Which of course makes the system a little bit more complex, right? It, it is. It is a lot of work, yeah. a lot of manpower because is needed. One of my friends was telling me actually something that an elderly person mm. who can't move really needs is somebody to come in mm. and maybe cut their nails every week. Mm. They don't really need another tin of Milo. <laughs> But I understand, imagine the Excel sheet trying to work this out, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And the beneficiary wouldn't want to reject those kind of minor because Because the the intention is great. So, on the work podcast, we've talked about burnout, we've talked about dealing with challenges. Your work can be tough. I dare say. We normally talk about tough bosses or incompetent colleagues. (laughs) Today, we don't dare to complain. Today, we're not complaining, right? Today, we are talking about overwhelming emotional investments, right? Absolutely. What are some of the coping strategies? Maybe even the first time you felt this. Oh my God. The first time must be the hardest, right? Oh my God. It's really hard because our work is hard work, right? We have deep connections with people. We have such close work relationship with our clients. We Mm. know everything about our clients and it's really hard to separate what is professional and what is of personal feelings. My first time, I remember so vividly that the first time when I first started out as a social worker, I started out wanting to help everybody. I want to be that lighthouse, right? And I always love it when my clients show me like appreciation like oh thank you so much for whatever you've done for me but social work is not really beautiful all the time we still deal with family violence we deal with child protection issues right mm-hmm. and I remember that I unfortunately had to report a child safety issue mm-hmm. to child protective services the family understandably was not happy with me they were upset and they called my work phone and they immediately screamed at me and Mm. shouted at me and used such harsh words on me and it was really tough for someone who just started out you see and I no one ever has spoken to me like that before or screamed at me like that before (laughs) and I not even your parents right never never (laughs) because I don't have the skills on how to deal with such situations I just allowed this person to just berate at me Mm. and it was horrible I I bet you cried buckets (sighs) after this oh my gosh I broke Mm. it broke me so hard and Mm. for the next two weeks I was actually very fragile emotionally because there's so many feelings that went through within me I felt guilt I felt sadness I felt self-doubt even yeah. I doubted yeah. myself for reporting to CPS you see but what really helped me get through this situation was I had a lot of supervision with my uh, beautiful supervisor Laisam and also with my centre director Biju and Sinwe. you know the agency really helped me get through this 
ordeal. I think a lot of self-care is also very important. Right. Family support is also very important. Praying also helped me tremendously. Right. And after this situation, I told myself never again would anybody speak to me like this anymore yeah. again because there is a need to protect our own mental health. Which is why the government is also strengthening abuse against healthcare workers Absolutely. as well, right? Because yes. there's a very clear line to be drawn. Mm. You, you may be upset, mm-hmm. but there's a line you cross when you start hurling abuse. Mm. and you know. You... But it reminds me of the time when I was a young reporter and I wrote this story and then the mom called me and oh, she no. was yelling on the phone. Oh no! <laughs> so it was my first hate call. <laughs> It's exactly what I did. I went to the corner and I started crying. I feel you. It seemed like a rite of passage. I personally have been through on the receiving end when I started my career in the call centre. People would just call in, make complaints. I did not go to the toilet and cry, but I was shivering (laughs) after the call. Literally, physically shivering. Did such instance happen again? And how did you then try to stamp it out? Oh, yes, of course. There are clients who want to overstep their boundary and show some sort of power, Mm. right? And control in any conversations. I make sure that I say to them, if you want to continue with this conversation with me, there is a need for you to maintain respectful communication with me. Because I cannot have you speak to me like this. If you continue, I'm going to stop this conversation. So you need to really, really set clear boundaries with our clients so that they know what they can do and what they cannot do. I hear this a lot from my social worker friends as well mm. because their situations are already tense. Yes. And mm. they're under a lot of pressure. And then there's this person who is there telling them you, you, you can do this, you cannot do yeah, that. You cannot do this, you cannot do that. You need to go here, you need to go there. Your kids yeah. are in bad shape. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> All the yeah. bad things. Which I guess why next month's initiative is really very much welcomed by all the mm. social workers because uh, next month onwards all social workers will get a pay raise yeah Yay. and what was your view on this how much do you think a social worker should be paid compared to say a banker your age Whoa. or like you said a teacher is there enough money in the world There's to no put money. up with absolutely, this difficult absolutely I, got, I can't give money to like quantify it yes. I can't do it but I would say that this this pay raise really, really like set some sort of recognition for us social workers. Yeah. The work that we do should really translate with the salary that we get. This increment really helped us. It can also bring in more people into this profession, yeah. Yeah. can also retain those who are in this profession. So yeah, this is definitely something that is needed. We talked about this before on another podcast, the upper band of young bankers, mm. lawyers, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about six, seven, eight thousand dollars as Amazing. a starting. That's like crazy, right? Yeah, it is. Of course, they are in the business of making more money mm-hmm. and these guys do not have revenue, but it's such an important part of yes. society's work, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes, absolutely. I feel that this is a way government really helped us in increasing awareness mm. and recognition for our social work with the things that we do for the community and for the society. Usually on a work podcast, we talk about things like career progression, promotion, yeah. how yeah. to be a boss someday. <laughs> what do you think is important to you at this stage in your career? I'm assuming for yeah. now that this is going to be your long-term career. Yes, it is. Okay. It's going to be. A lot of people want to earn a certain amount by a certain mm. time. They mm-hmm. want to be you know, promoted to manager they want to be able to manage they Mm. want to lead etc so they have a kind of a timetable sure 
Does that apply to social work? Yes, of course. We definitely have career progression as well. In Singapore General Society, we have tracks that you can go for. Now, I'm like social worker one because it just started out, right? Sure. So then after that, you can go social worker two and then you can go to senior social worker and then oh, so on and so forth. If you sure. want to go into management, you go into management. If you want to go into clinical, which is why I am now, mm-hmm. you continue with your clinical. Right. So you can be a practitioner all the way. All the way, yes, absolutely. And if you decided to no longer want to do direct client work, you want to do more administrative or management work, you can go into management track. Mm. So you can go anywhere as a social worker. So there's really quite a variety of different ways, pathways for you to look at. Not just as what many people would just think, oh, you're just social worker and then you just be the social worker forever. No, no. You can really move wherever you wish to go. Hey everyone, my name's Stephen Chia and I'm host of CNA's weekly news podcast, Heart of the Matter. Now each week, my job is to ask questions you have, like why is the COE so high? Why aren't singles dating? Or what is going on with the red-hot property market in Singapore? If you want the views behind the news, then tune in each week as we get to the heart of the matter. We are on the CNA and Me Listen apps and wherever you get your podcasts. Hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it drops. Having been on this job for some time now, are there any unusual stuff, absurd things that you have seen but you truly love as a social worker? I work with a lot of uh, different types of clients. There are some clients who sometimes the decisions that they make may not be something that I would think of. Mm-hmm. There are clients that really frustrates you, of course. Of course. And so absurd, no, but it's just that maybe the, the way of thinking is just their way of thinking yeah. and there's no way that I should be the one pushing or imposing whatever I, my values or beliefs is okay. so um, could, could you give an example like my beliefs is my children should start school from 18 months okay. <laughs> 18 months or whatever early right yes of course but for some of my clients their children start at K1 Mm. And that really, which is what four five five that bothers me right right but as a social worker I'm like okay this is let's try to see what what's yeah sure behind me, their me, decision yeah let me just understand why let mm. me see why you decided to do this I mean whatever the answer is I'm not the sort of person who should be no 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 no. <laughs> 18 months <laughs> show the Beyonce finger yeah. <laughs> no. so so I wouldn't say it's absurd it's just their way of thinking and yeah, the way yeah. of their doing things in their family so I as a person is just assisting and walking alongside them and that's all okay that brings me to this question sure I don't think everybody can be a social worker from the way you describe things I don't think I can be a social worker because I'm quite short-tempered mm. and then I get quite irritated with yes. illogical things. Yes, yes. Adrian, you can be an art. I think it's also quite tough. And I personally have volunteered in some of this before. And yeah. like you said, there are certain things which you don't really see eye to eye. Mm. And when you know deep in your heart it is wrong, but then they still do it, it can really lead you to just detach from the entire thing. From that perspective, what do you think okay. are some of the key attributes? Yeah. Uh, what must have before diving <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. straight into die, this? Yeah, die must have. As a person, I am very impatient too. I have my own strong beliefs, right? Yeah. But if you put on your social work hat, whatever your beliefs are, is out of the session, out of the you room. You check it at the door, as you, they yeah, say. check it at the door. You're not going to put it in the session mm. because you just take whatever the clients say and you say, okay, yeah, I believe, I agree. 
should do that. If you feel that your client's way of thinking is a bit weird, I guess, or something that you don't believe in, then maybe you can give options. Mm. Try to explore choices with them and they make the ultimate decision in the end. So what sort of person should you be? As a social worker, I guess you really need to not be judgmental. Wow, that's very hard. Okay, see, I feel already. already, already. <laughs> and second, can tahan one hour of kind of scolding. You have to be <laughs> But I wouldn't say I'm not a judgmental person. We are all humans. We judge people even sure. though we don't want to, right? So what helped me is after the session, I go to my supervisor, Laisam, and I just say, can you believe what this is? So I guess this is where training comes yes, in. Yes. But I do still think, based yeah. on your answer, <laughs> that are certain people, they would work better mm-hmm. in a social work setting. I really want wanted to ask you, DPM Lawrence Wong talked about hard workers need to be treated as well as those who do head work, right? Yeah. So if you go to a gathering and mm. you have cousins who are lawyers or doctors right, right. versus you doing social work, has that shifted? Like how people see your value and your worth in society? You feel or people's value towards my yeah. profession within my family. I don't feel it okay. because I am still a professional. I still do work and I still gain pretty good salary. Mm-hmm. I don't see them judging my worth as a social worker. About other people, like among your friends, uh, cohorts, peers, all my friends are working in marketing in finance industry. Different from me, they do see my work as really very different from them. Yeah, like I'm not corporate. I see it as you do that and I do this. You do and you. I'm, yeah, but I'm still a professional. Okay, I might cut this out, but I feel that there might be one less banker and nobody will die. <laughs> but <laughs> one should less... definitely keep this in. The bankers will kill me. <laughs> yeah. But one less social worker, mm, not such a good idea. Yeah. That's yeah. why you need to bring more people in. Exactly. Yeah. Having more greater appreciation mm. and respect for social workers can really, really strengthen this profession. I really hope to achieve at the end of this podcast is that people really see the value that social workers has put to the communities and society. Hopefully, we can continue to do good work for our clients and for our community. This is still a good job. This is a worthwhile job <laughs> a very noble job and I truly love this job okay MSF should hire her yeah, for exactly. promotion <laughs> you should have a social worker not with the PR department <laughs> I really want to bring people in into this beautiful profession really okay mm. great thanks Denny for yeah. sharing your views with us yeah. one of my best friends is a social worker I love talking to her because I can see up front how important her work is and how in many ways we still need to promote professionalize it. Mm. Her work is very tough yeah. and she has very long and quite difficult days. Um, but she's back at it the next day. She never gives up because your battle is on behalf of somebody else. Quite often, it is on behalf of a neglected child, mm. an abused spouse, mm. a family in crisis. That's where purpose comes in because a lot of people are talking about purpose now, right? So this is almost like that job is made for that kind of thing. So if you really have the heart for it, you should go for it, right? Adrian, what do you think? If my kids were to tell me they'd like to become social workers, two things would strike me. One, I think my paternal approach worked. I brought up people Aww. filled with compassion. Aww. That's nice. Uh, and two, I hope by the time they really become social worker, pay rise will go up some more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll have an easier life while no, in at least the yeah. gap between bankers and social workers is not so ridiculously yes, large mm. because they have equal weight in society. 
Workit is taking a short season break. We'll be back soon with new content. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dini. You can find our podcast on the CNA website app, on Spotify and Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks to my team, Jacqueline Chan, Joanne Chan, Saya Win, and I'm Crispina. And I'm Adrian, signing off. 